Music, science, cosmic culture. This is the Blue Dot Podcast. Lanterns on the Lake are a Mercury Prize-nominated, critically acclaimed and adored Newcastle band whose work has seen them collaborate with the Royal Northern Symphonia and tour with the likes of Explosion in the Sky, Jan Tiersen and Lowe. We're so excited to welcome Lanterns on the Lake to join Saturday's Lovell staged lineup at Blue Dot 2022 this July. And Hazel from the band joins us now for a special In Conversation. Welcome to the Blue Dot podcast with Lanterns on the Lake. I know what I saw. Hello, Hazel. Hello, Chris. How are you? Very well, thank you. Hazel, your last album, Spook the Herd, was Mercury nominated in 2020. Reflecting now, how does the album compare to what you were trying to achieve with it when you started working on it? I do think that we achieved what what we set out to do, actually. Um, We'd never worked in a studio before. We'd always, like, gone down the quite DIY approach of recording ourselves in our rehearsal room and that kind of thing. And it, it never quite, never quite got the sound that we wanted. Um, and that had always restricted us a little bit in terms of um, being able to kind of track live together and play as a band in a room. And we wanted to kind of capture more of that. Um, so that was the first thing that we set out to do. And we went and recorded in a studio and I think we did get, we achieved that and got the sound that we were after Um I think when we're trying to make a record, we're trying to create this um, almost like a universe in itself, uh, in this world that you go into. And I think Spook, I, th- I do think that Spook did that. Um, so, yeah, we were really chuffed with the results of it. And um, I think we achieved what we set out to do, definitely. How was the studio experience? It was actually really good. We've, I've personally always been really put off by that kind of thing. Like I've never wanted, um, I'm a control freak, I've never really wanted somebody else kind of trying to um get involved too much with what we're doing but um we didn't work with a producer we did produce it ourselves and Paul our guitarist did mix it but um we worked with a fella called Joss whose studio it was and he engineered on it so that took a lot of the um pressure off us in terms of like Normally we'd be setting up microphones and making sure, you know, you're like keeping an eye on it, making sure it's not going to clip, not going to go into the red and you're not concentrating on what you're doing as a, as a band or like performing. Um, so that was really good to work with Joss um, on that front. It was just a really nice experience to be able to go away because it was in um, Rippenden in Yorkshire. It was just really nice setting and a nice way to like break away from our normal life and go into a little bubble and, um, yeah, and just spend time together working on the record and um, going to a really nice little pub there at the end of every day and, you know, like talking about um, the album and getting excited about it. And um, and that that's like a massive thing for us is um, the kind of excitement that you have when you're making something together. Do you think the setting made a difference to the ultimate sound of the album? I do. Um, I th- and I think part of that was the being able to get away from Newcastle uh, as much as we love it, um, but being able to be in our own little bubble. And the studio itself is um, its just re- really nice place to go and record. And um, he's got some great gear in there and uh, just really talk to him about the kind of sound that we were going for and, and be able to pull it off. Do you remember what you told Joss you were going for? 
I think we wanted it to feel um, like futuristic vintage, like in the way that um, a classic record would sound with a lot of kind of space around the instruments, um, but done like as if it was done nowadays. (laughs) When was the last time you listened to the album? Do you know, out of all of our records, it's the only album that I've um, that I can bear to listen to again. And I listened to it. I think we did one of those Tim's Twitter listening party things, and I joined in with that and listened to it um, doing that. And I didn't cringe like I sometimes do with some some of our past work. But um, I think most artists are like that, aren't they? How self conscious are you? Yeah. I don't know. Like I, I'm really proud of the of the work that we do and of everything that we put out. Um, at the time it's just that I think that once it's been released and it's out there in the world and you don't have any more control over um over what it is it it, it's like it doesn't belong to you anymore and I find that uncomfortable that I don't like it doesn't belong to me and I can't do anything to change anything but because I was so satisfied with how Spook the Herd turned out um I don't feel as uncomfortable listening to it if that makes sense Yes, it does. Do you think that having Joss there, you felt one removed from it? Because I always imagine that it's very hard to decide on a final version of a song because once it's done, it really is done and there and lives forever. Totally. And I I think um, part of having Joss around was that um, we couldn't keep going back over things and trying to perfect things. Like like for me, I wasn't... um, Oh, no that's not the right guitar take it just um that's not the right vocal take it was it was more in the moment and that is like that captures something doesn't it and it's not always perfect but it um communicates the thing that you're trying to communicate and there would be certain takes that we did or vocal takes and um, I, I only kind of sang it once or twice and and I'd be like no I'll, I'll do it again I can do it better and Joss would say no that was great that's really really good we'll just keep that one and um I think that was quite a healthy way to do things and definitely learned from that process that um that you can get a, get better results without um you know pushing too hard or trying to be too perfect with things yeah and that you don't need 50 indistinguishable takes yeah exactly and like I, I can always tell the difference like oh there's a certain phrasing on that song that's just not quite right but um to anybody else it would just be like it's exactly the same how many of you are there in the band Five of us. How long have we been together? So all together, I think we've been together about over 10 years. But Bob, our bassist, and Angela, who does strings, um, they've been in the band about seven years, I think, now. How easy or not is it to manage five of you? Do you know, like in the early days of the band, there were six of us, and that was really difficult to just arrange this most simple thing, like a rehearsal. <laughs> Um, but actually, with the five members and the way that we are and the way that we work, it it, it works pretty well. Like we all have our own role in the band and um, and our own like little area of responsibility, and that works really well. And uh, just work as a really good team. And um, it's like Angela lives down in Leeds, so she's not always around and available to rehearse, but we can still have her up kind of like once a month and show where we're at with things and me and the boys all go down to the rehearsal room and just work on things every week and uh, yeah it works really well. Has there ever been a time in the 10 years that you've ever thought about throwing in the towel? Honestly every day there's things about it that I find difficult or um, 
disheartening um, about the music industry in general. And it, I think most artists really at the kind of level that we're at, um, you know, you're not making mega books or anything like that. And you're kind of trying to juggle day jobs and all that kind of thing. It can get hard and difficult. And um, sometimes you wonder if it's worth it. But then I always like talk myself around and, and think it is worth it. Or, you know, you might... Um, this is the thing, like sometimes we'll get a message on, I don't know, social media or something like that. You know how negative people can be on social media. People only talk about the things that they don't like, right? Um, but sometimes, like often, like every day, somebody will send a nice message and that can just totally change how you feel about things and um, make you feel that it's worth it. Um, so we're always grateful for that kind of thing. And it, it makes me it makes me want to tell people when I appreciate their work as well, because I know that that can help. How did it feel to get the Mercury nomination? It felt awesome. <laughs> um, I'm not going to try and like be cool about it. It was, um, it was really class. Uh, that was, that was actually one of those days where I was just feeling like, I just don't know if, you know, I, I guess it was um, because it was in the middle of that lockdown as well. And we hadn't, we'd put the album out and not had a chance to tour it. So it was hard to know really, what people thought about it or if they liked it as much as we did and like if they really connected with it and then so I was feeling a bit like oh I don't know is it worth doing another record um and then that day got that call and it was like yes it is worth it um yeah it just it just felt really class it was a really exciting day um a bit of a like bit of a secret ambition or dream come true and um it was really cool <laughs> do you remember the call yeah, I was, I was sat at that piano there behind me and I'd got a message off our manager, Anne, and she said, can I call you? I've got some good news. And I was thinking, like, what what good news could there be at the minute? Because, like, touring was off the cards and um, not a lot was happening. And it did occur to me that um, the Mercury nominations were going to be announced soon or coming up soon. And it did sort of, like, cross my mind very briefly uh, I wonder if it's a Mercury nomination, but the, like I just thought, nah, no way would it be that. And um, yeah, Anne phoned me and said, um, yeah, it's book's been shortlisted as one of the albums of the year. And I, I had a little cry, I'll be honest. <laughs> what do you think it did for you and the band? It definitely gave us a massive morale boost. For me personally, it definitely gave me a lot more confidence in what we were doing like I've always believed in what we did but it's it's that kind of thing where you think am I being stupid here do other people really like this or not so it gave us all a big morale boost gave me a confidence boost and also kind of confirmed our love for that record because we um we also love it we're also fans of it and uh, it felt good to know that other people appreciated it in that way and it had been recognized in that way it was a while in the making, wasn't it? Five years. Beings came out in 2015, so kind of five years in the making. Do you see yourselves as a band who evolve, or is each new album a reset? We definitely don't want to repeat ourselves. Other people might think that the, the albums sound similar, but we definitely try to push further with what we're doing and... Um, we're always trying to move past the last album and we'll sometimes there's a bit of a crossover when we come to start making music again after putting out an album where we're working on a tune and then we'll be like you know what that's the kind of thing we would have done on the last album so we'll we'll drop it um 
And I think we always try to keep things moving forward um, just for ourselves, just because it, you know, it wouldn't be that interesting to us to keep doing the same thing. You talked about the making of the album and what you asked the producer to try and achieve. Tell me a bit more about what you wanted from the album. A lot of people ask about like the message of the songs. Um, although I do think like there's definitely themes that run through our albums and those themes can be different. But to be honest, I'm never like, I'm the one that works on the lyrics. I'm never sitting down and going, right, I think I'll pen a song about, um, I don't know, climate change or whatever. I, I just doing it like it sounds really arty farty but I'm just sitting and seeing what comes and I'm writing and singing about um the things that are on my mind or the kind of things that you know that we talk about amongst ourselves but then as we're making it I'll keep like little notes in my phone of like the kind of the themes that are coming up um which help with things like artwork and also with the sound of it as well so like when I mentioned vintage but futuristic that was something that I thought of when we were working on um, a song called Every Atom it felt like a kind of a classic song in its structure and some of it's like I don't know the rhythm of it and things but some of the sounds in there were quite weird like some of Paul's robotic kind of guitar sounds and stuff like that so um, things like that I'll, I'll keep a little list of and um, we'll try and weave that into the sound when, when it comes to the producing and the mixing and, and also like the artwork. How important is it to you to make a climate change statement? I don't think of it as a statement. I think of like um, something I read a, a couple of weeks ago that it, it's an artist's job to reflect what's going on in the, t- in the times that they live in rather than, you know, come up with solutions or anything like that. And it's all I'm writing is, about the things that like you or I or or me and my friends or family talk about or think about. And, um, you know, climate change is on a lot of people's minds at the minute. It is is a concern. And like, especially now I've got a a daughter as well. I feel like I've got a stake in the world, you know, and I need things to go well for the planet. How concerned are you about the planet? I mean, I'm pretty concerned in general about just humanity at the minute. Um, It can be heartbreaking and unbearable to look at the news at the minute and um I think a lot of people are feeling like that aren't they and it came to the point where like last week I I was trying to work on some music and it just felt like what is the point in doing this when you see what's going on in like um eastern Europe and stuff and uh so it's kind of I don't know I think you have to hold on to like the hope that things can change and that there's good people and that things like music does exist and um and that's something that we can share. It was nearly a two-year wait before you could tour the album. That mm-hmm. finally happened at the end of last year. How was that? It was great. I was feeling really nervous about going and touring again. And I had been speaking to a few people who are in bands and or solo artists as well who were secretly feeling the same. Like, I think it takes a long time to build up that. Um, not that it's like a, a persona that you, that you have on stage, but it can take a long time to start to feel comfortable going on stage and performing and I I was worried that I'd lost that or that I just couldn't remember how to do it and I was having like the same with I think some other people in the band having these like anxiety dreams about turning up to gigs and not having like my guitar has no strings on or um I'm in my pajamas or something like that you know and so as it was getting closer I was like oh my god I don't know if we can do this um but honestly like from 
the second that we started playing that first song on the first night of the tour, it just felt so, so good. And um, I realised like how much I love doing that, how much I love playing live. And also because I think some of the people in the crowd had lived with those songs during lockdown and it had kind of been a part of, it been like a backdrop of their lockdown as well and their experience over the past couple of years that felt like um, it was like we could finally play in the room with them and they could, um, you know, sing along with it and it just felt really good. Are you a natural-born performer? <laughs> um, it's like not the performing, it's more the... Um, I don't want to sound like really pretentious here. It's more the kind of like communicating the song um, that I feel that I want to do and I've wanted to do since like since I was a tiny little girl. Um, I've always been drawn to music and want to be the one that makes other people feel the way I feel when I listen to music. It's not so much that I want to be, you know, in the spotlight or a performer on stage. Um, it's just being able to make people feel the way that I can feel when I when I see other people perform and play music live. Um, I think probably when I was younger, and even now, maybe some people would think that I was shy. Um, I don't really think that I am. I'm maybe a bit of an introvert, but um, I think I've said in the past, I'm, I'm maybe a, um, an extrovert trapped in an introvert's body or something like that. You know, like I, I enjoy being able to like play in the band and play in front of people to um, to share our music. Like a lot of other Blue Dot artists, Hannah Peel, Parrot Orchestra, Stealing Sheep and Radio Phonic Workshop, Bjork and the Halle. You've collaborated with an orchestra, with a classical outfit, the Royal Northern Sinfonia, who've also worked with the likes of John Grant and Field Music. Why was working with the Sinfonia in particular so important, Hazel? It wasn't so much that it was important, it was just that it was, it was a really cool thing for us to do, um, to have like little old us showing them our songs that we've come up with and um, having these really renowned professional musicians um, playing and to play live with them on stage because we'd only done a couple of sessions with them, like kind of showing them the songs and running through a few little parts. We didn't do a proper full live rehearsal all together till I think it was either the day of the gig or the day before the gig. Um, and then the first time that everything like was coming through the PA was for the, for the actual gig. Um, so to be in that moment and like, just cause you, when it's an orchestra, like you can feel the vibrations, you know what I mean? You can like feel the wind of that cut, like blowing through you. Um, it's just such a cool experience. I really, um, moving and it was in our home, hometown as well so that made it the extra bit special. Were you ever in a choir or an orchestra as a kid? No I was talking about this the other day actually with uh, all our drummer when I was a really young kid like in primary school I really wanted to learn the recorder and I went to um, they did like a little trial session and uh, there was only so many places in the recorder group and the teacher said that I just had no natural musical ability. <laughs> so I wasn't allowed in the recorder group. Um, I think my mom went in and complained. So they set up a, a second recorder group for the people that had no natural musical ability. I don't know if it's that maybe um, revenge has been a, 
um, driving force through my career. But maybe like I've been spending all this time just trying to prove that teacher wrong. Are you uh, teaching your daughter any music? I'm not like I don't want to force it on her. She's only like two and a half as well, but she's got the bug. Like I think that she really loves music. She really loves songs. She keeps asking to listen to uh, John Lennon. Um, she's in, quite into ABBA as well and Bob Dylan. Um, yeah, I think she's got the music bug. Have you seen any signs of a reaction when you've played her anything of yours? She knows it's me. She, she can recognise my voice, I think. I don't know how, but um, she does know it's me. That must be pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anyone that you want to collaborate with in the future? You mentioned the Northern Symphonia. Anyone that you'd love to work with? Oh, God. I don't know. I've never thought about that. <laughs> I honestly I've, I honestly never really thought about it. Any contemporaries even? Any uh, other Newcastle acts? There is a band up here called Hector Gannett who I have done... Um, did some backing vocals on one of their songs. Um, I don't mind. I'm, I'm up for anything. <laughs> Is there new music in the pipeline? Yeah, we're um, doing lots of writing at the minute. It's a bit frustrating because we've had no proper rehearsal room for ages, so we're having to keep hire various places or borrow places to go in and, and do bits of writing. Um, so it's been a bit restricted in that sense, but um, we've got a block of four days coming up. Um, of just writing I think we've we've got like we've got at least an album's worth of stuff it's just about um, whether we feel ready to go and record that or if we want to keep writing and see what else we come up with Do you think there's uh, added pressure since the Mercury nomination to deliver this time around? (laughs) Do you know like when we we were working on Spook I had the feeling that like maybe nobody's going to pay any attention to this album. Maybe that lack of pressure helped us to just make what we wanted to make. I guess maybe there is a little bit of pressure this time. Um, trying not to think too much about that and um, trying to make the album we would have made had we not received that nomination. Can you uh, say at this stage what the feel, sound of the new album might be? I can't say at this stage. I don't know. There's a, we've got like a good 20 ideas. It's about narrowing those down and finding the ones that all fit together because sometimes you can have a song that you, you feel like that's one of your favourite ones, but it doesn't work in the context of the rest of it. I know we're, we're a bit old school in that we think about albums in that way. I think nowadays people just stick tracks on a Spotify playlist and that's all they think about, but it's quite important to us Um to have an album that feels consistent in that way. Mixtape seems to be the get-out these days. Well, maybe we'll do that. <laughs> Mixtape of 20 songs, yeah. So, Hazel, it's Blue Dot in July, playing Saturday afternoon on the epic Lovell stage under the telescope. You've done it before. Are you still excited about the idea of doing it again? Absolutely. Um, I think, well, it's an awesome place to play. Um, and seeing that telescope in person is um is just absolutely nuts we, i think last time we got our photo taken in front of it and i'd quite like to um recreate that um but yeah and playing on the main stage it'll just be it'll be great and it's they, they always have an incredible lineup don't they blue dots so um i'm looking forward to just to, to, to i think we might stay that night what can we expect from your set we haven't worked out what we're going to play we might um do you think it's all right to play new songs? Like, we're always really excited about newer stuff, but I know that um, when I go and see a band, I want to see 
want them to play the hits yeah it's that's tough on that isn't it because it's it's what all bands want to do but then you're right i suppose you have to put yourself in the crowd i do but then we're quite selfish so we might just stick a few new ones in we'll see we'll work it out on the morning of the gig i think for any fans it'd be a lovely teaser to get some new stuff in there yeah all right hazel thank you so so much thank you very much really nice to talk to you see you at jodrell bank see you there You've been listening to the Blue Dot Podcast. Thanks to Hazel Wilde from Lanterns on the Lake. Visit discovertheblue.com to enjoy more episodes of the Blue Dot Podcast and to explore our lineup. Blue Dot returns to Cheshire's iconic Todrell Bank this July with weekend tickets on sale now. Listener.